You ever meet one of those people that seems to just never get sick? Almost as if they're built different, like genetically. Of course, it sure would be great if we could be born and never get the common cold, but we're not there in science just yet. However, we might be able to help another friend, the soybean. My name is Louis Colavertolo. I'm a PhD student at the University of Guelph in the Food Science Department, trying my absolute best over here. And in my free time, which is none, I like to talk with other graduate students about what they're doing, what they're researching, and why anyone should care. So today we are talking with Deus Mugabe, who is the defender of soybeans. Deus is looking at the difference between the genetics of soybean plants that are a little bit better at fighting off certain diseases than others. Then determining what little things in their DNA are making that happen. But before we get into it, I think we might have to have a content warning. Deus, as much of a nice guy as he may be, he does have to infect his plants with a fungus in order to see if they're resistant or not. Although many listeners may have a problem with this, here is what Deus has to say to explain himself. I know I always say that I love my soybean babies and then I'm like literally killing them the next day. So if you want to understand why Deus is just so darn cruel to these soybeans, you're going to have to stick around. But while you're listening, remember that we're both graduate students. We don't know everything, but that's why you're listening to an episode of We Know Some Stuff. Hey, Davis. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty great, thank you. Okay, so we have you in the studio today, and we, if I, if I know correctly, which, honestly, a lot of times I don't. I don't write things down like I should. But I believe we are going to talk about plant genetics. Yes. Plant genetics, plant genetics. Okay, so right off the bat, I'm imagining like a floating DNA spiral and lots of chemistry equations and stuff up on the board. Does this describe your life? Pretty much, you would say that. A lot of what I do, a lot of what I study, genes, genetics, genomics. If you've ever seen some of those DNA sequences anywhere floating around, the ATCG, we can go into those, and that's just mostly what my life uh, entails. <laughs> so I like uh, you said like genes, genetics, and genomics. It, it kind of sounds like Pokemon evolutions. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So they're all kind of like... Uh, well, they're the same field, but a little bit different. So genomics is like the entire field that, you know, that encompasses, you know, uh, genetics, genes, and all these uh, inheritance and, you know, subject matters. All right. Genetics. Genetics, genetics, genetics. Whenever I think of genetics, all I can really think about is things like uh, what are the color of your eyes and mm -hmm. what are the color of your hair yep. and things like that. Um, but then at the same time, What's become really popular now and almost like disgustingly popular is people sending their spit through the mail. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's there's a weird fascination with people spent sending spit. They're yep. just like, someone needs my spit right now. Yep. Yep. So they can just probably learn maybe about the, you know, the, the genetic background and all that kind of stuff. I've heard about that, too, and it's pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, my roommates actually had it done for their dog. Oh, okay. And it's one of those things that if 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 you're if you decided that you want to pay to get your dog's genome sequenced, I'm a part of me is like, yeah, good for you. That's fun. But also, has science gone too far? That, 
that's kind of like a, it's it's a it's a good question i mean like uh that is what comes with you know scientific progress and technology and all that kind of stuff so there's probably advantages and disadvantages about it like everything else in the plant field or in the agriculture field genetics genomics that for us is very very useful because you know what we do is we study like plant characteristics and the underlying genetics that control those characteristics all right plant genetics I, how many times at this point have i just said plant genetics yeah probably. i keep saying it yeah it's I, fun right it, it's a fun it's a fun <laughs> string of words yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i guess the reason i keep saying it is because what what is it what if you were to sum up just the concept of plant genetics real fast what is plant genetics? I would probably just be say genetics in general. Could be plant, could be animal. Could... So genetics is kind of like what you would say the information that determine the expression of like characteristics of an organism. So characteristics. And I'm thinking plants. What kind of specific plant do you work with? I work with a plant called soybean. I've heard of that before. You probably have heard of this. It's a pretty big protein and oil crop. So it's grown in southern Ontario and parts of Quebec. And it's also starting to be grown, I think, it, since a few years back, also in like in Western Canada. And a huge major crop in uh, the United States. So soybean, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about soybeans. I want to link this one really Real quick to characteristics. Yeah. So could you give me a couple examples of like what a characteristic of a soybean plant would be? If you think about a soybean, it's not very different morphologically or like just structure. If you, if you think about like just kind of like a common bean, right? So you're looking at a plant, maybe 100 centimeters. They can grow up until 100, but they usually range around like 70 to 90 centimeters off the ground and uh, have like just kind of like a pod with a bunch of like soybeans seed within them. Okay. Let's say like I have blue eyes, I have light brown hair, although people have told me I'm blonde, but I don't really believe it. Nice. Aren't you bro? Is that brown? Red, brown, brown? red. It's dark in here. You yeah. can't tell. So if someone tells me that I have a uh, brown hair and blue eyes, those are characteristics yes. of me, yep. I suppose. Yep. So if you took, you know, one soybean that's, you know, grown over here and one soybean that's grown over there, yep. they might have different characteristics. Yes. So what are some examples of characteristics? Can I guess? Yeah. You're, sure. If go you're game it. for me guessing, I'm going to just spew nonsense. Yeah, for go a for it. Let's go. Um, let's say, is a characteristic maybe how much oil is in the bean? Yes, yes, oh, yes. Oh, solid. Yeah. I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, would the height of the plant be? Yep. Oh, Absolutely. Ooh, I'm on fire over Absolutely. here. Absolutely. You're killing it. Um, how much water it drinks? Yep. Yeah. Uptakes. Yes. Yeah, upta yep. Uptake. Yeah, drink is probably not the... I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you t if you if you say uh, so, you've been drinking water. I'll just kind of like you know imagine it sitting under the sun and just maybe like sipping on like mm. a bottle of a good bottle of like cold water. And I don't think that's how we've never caught them drinking water that way. So yet with yeah yet yeah so, fair enough pretty yeah. So all of these things are characteristics. Yeah yeah yeah. All right, and you're telling me through some silly science and math and chemicals and, and DNAs and stuff, you can understand how characteristics are going to come about yep, yep, in yep. these plants. Yep, yep. How in the world? I don't... What? what, what how? Yeah. 
So basically what plant breeders and geneticists do is to kind of like go deeper than just kind of like looking at the outer or like the characteristic or trait that is visual and just uh, study the biology that control those characteristics. If you think about plant breeders in the early days, they would just kind of like develop plants based on like the traits that they see from the outside maybe if so one of the traits that is very very important for example is yield so they just kind of maybe see the soybean that produces most of the you know most seed um, like biggest pods or anything like that and they select those but now the science has evolved that we can actually even like sequence so like get you know collect some dna samples and um study uh, how the DNA controls the traits that we see in those plants, soybean in this case. And those DNA, the spirals and the letters, the ACTG and all of that thing, it's kind of like a language of its own, would you say? Kind of. So I think one of the best metaphors that I've heard being used is kind of like an instruction manual. If we talk about maybe my project is I'm, you know, doing kind of like some genomic analysis to understand a disease called white mold. You know, like uh, what are the genes that are associated with resistance to that disease? And when I say genomic analysis, I mean, like we're studying the entire genome of the soybean plant. And the genome is kind of like what I was like comparing to like an instruction manual. Uh, say, you know, the soybean plant, you have like instruction manual that has all page of letters, like in sequences, right? And then... We use some statistical tools to kind of like make some association models and see that, oh, every time this sequence of letters shows up, this type of trait or characteristic is expressed in, in this plant. You had told us that you are looking at soybeans. Yep. Soybeans are, well, you know, they're a food. Yeah. I, I know that certain cultures and communities eat a lot more soybeans than others mm -hmm. and i know that we use soybeans for fuel and stuff like that yes. don't we yep, yep yep like it but then there's soy isolate and then there's veggie proteins yep, and yep, yep. it's everywhere yeah the soy yep. is soy is absolutely everywhere yeah is there any reason why there's so much soy do you do you know why that's a great question so soybean is a big crop because it, it is used for very many different things, right? For example, like common beans, right? They're mostly used for food, right? For just kind of like eating as for humans. But soybeans are actually like uh, the seed has a lot of like oil and protein. For that reason, it can be used to like a lot of uh, different products, right? So soybean can be used for like to make animal feed, can be used to make fuel, it can be used to even make just human food as well. So that's why I guess like you will find it like being a very big and valuable crop. Okay. What is then your favorite use of soybeans? Edible or non-edible? What would you say is your favorite use? Well, I would probably say for food. Oh, right. I, uh, I love edamame, so. Oh. Yeah. Salted edamame? Yeah. Oh, That's wonderful, yeah. right? It's yeah. tasty. That's a staple in my freezer. Awesome. Yeah. Always have edamame in the freezer, and I will just microwave. I will eat the entire bag. Nice. In one setting. Yeah. Like, I have no self-control when it comes to that. <laughs> They're very tasty. Yeah. They're very good. They're very good. Yeah. 
Uh, any other applications of soy that you love? They're also very, very important for like animal feed. They're used in making, say, for example, chicken food um, or other like animal feed as well. Because of the high position of uh, oils, they can also be used to make fuels. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we think about oils a lot of times. Uh, we have that sort of split down the line. We think to ourselves, oil that makes cars go and oil that makes humans go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes those oils have a little bit of overlap. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm probably not going to be using olive oil to get my car to run. Yeah. But maybe soybean oil. Yeah, yeah. But not, I'm not going to, you know, don't, I'm going to say this right now on record. Do not go to the store. Do not take soybean oil off the shelf and do not put it into your gas tank. Yeah. That will not work. That's probably good. Yeah. I actually don't have proof that it won't work, but I'm just going to go ahead and let's just say it doesn't work. Yeah. Actually, when it gets to like the oil part, so I just kind of leave that to the <laughs> people that deal with the oils and all. So I just kind of like I'll be able to focus on my... You know, that's a great. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great segue. Yeah. Let, instead of hypothesizing how we can fix our dependency... <laughs> On crude oil. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we talk about something that you might know? Nice. You look at soybeans. Yeah. You look at the genetics of soybeans. Mm -hmm. What in the world are you doing poking around with the genetics of soybeans? So I am studying disease resistance in soybean. I'm looking at a disease that's called white mold. It's caused by a fungus called Clarotinia sclerotiorum. That's how. Clever the... Scalera. It took me years to know how to pronounce this. So right. good luck. Give me, give me syllable by syllable. I got. I'm gonna do this. Okay. Sclerotinia. Sclerotinia. Scleroshiorum. Oh my god. Scl Scleroshiorum. Yeah. Sclerotinia sclerotiorum. All right. So yeah. you are you're looking at a disease caused by this one fungi, this mold called... Yeah. yeah. We're trying to understand the genetics that really underlie resistance to white mold in soybean. So certain crops are more resistant to certain diseases than other crops. Yeah. And I think it's kind of similar in humans and animals and it all depends on where you're from and your region. Some people have immunity against, you know, uh, uh, malaria and, you know, that's it has something to do with sickle cell uh, anemia mm -hmm. and, you know, other people are, you know, uh, resistant to I don't know, like a lactose in yeah. its own way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're all we're all beautiful flowers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I suppose some soybeans out there, not all soybeans are created equally, but some soybeans out there are more resistant to this white mold than others. Yes. Why? So for a lot of traits, there is, you know, what we call variation for each trait. So you will find some genetic backgrounds that vary in the expression of a certain trait. So for example, disease resistance that we're talking about right now, you'll find some genotypes that have some, that range all the way from like maybe high susceptibility to partial resistance, or in a few cases, full resistance. In diseases, it's usually not very, very, very common to have full resistance. Uh, but, you know, some diseases, a uh, plant can be fully resistant to, to them. But most times it's just from susceptibility to partial resistance. And I'm assuming we want full resistance from diseases. 
Right. Good question. Yes and no. So sometimes partial resistance is good enough. So a plant is going to be able to like defend itself against the disease. And the advantage of partial resistance is that uh, it usually works with many different diseases or different pathogens. So also kind of like known as, you know, horizontal resistance. So it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like an, you know, arsenal against many diseases or pathogens. Full resistance is usually against one very specific disease. And when you have full resistance, yes, it is good, but every now and then the pathogen will evolve and break through that resistance. All right, let me try to make an analogy here. Yeah. We're going to go off on another one of my little side journeys of nice. ridiculousness. Yeah. But if I were to say the, you know, this partial resistance is good because it, it tackles potentially a lot of things. Yeah. Is this sort of like um, a very famous pink thick uh, medication that some people may take they say it's good for heartburn it's good for indigestion it's good for upset stomachs it's good for expelling liquids out of the back of your body nice like it attacks all of those things mm -hmm. so it isn't specifically for any of those one things but it does a decent job at each one of them yes and then if you were to look at something with full resistance, I'm thinking like those beauty products. Do you ever see that the like you go into one of those beauty stores? Yep, yep. And it's I get confused. Unbelievable. I, yeah. <laughs> and this, they're like, oh, this is for uh, your eyelids. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I get confused. I don't. Yeah. What happens if you put it elsewhere? Like what happens if you put that beauty product on your elbow? I will it turn into an eyelid? Mm -hmm. Maybe we <laughs> don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Would the full resistance be more like these very specific products that just do one thing? Absolutely. Uh, so if you think about how the plant immunity works, so the specific resistance is usually what we call gene for gene resistance. So the pathogen has specific maybe compounds or molecules that it uses to attack the plant. Just think about this as a weapon, for example. And then through evolution, the plants, that plant has developed ways to defend against this very specific tool. So in this case, if pathogen comes with this weapon, then the plant is going to be able to fully, fully defend itself against this uh, specific weapon. You know, every time we talk about diseases and, you know, things like this and resistance, it always makes me think about like war. Yep. What is it good for? <laughs> Okay, so that was a bad joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so hey, we always think about these. It's like, oh, this has a weapon and that has a defense. I'm thinking back in, um, you know, medieval times, people were shooting arrows and they had uh, brick walls yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, the war that was seen in like World War One, that was like uh, people were using gunpowder, mm -hmm. but they also had trenches. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at it now. And we've got like drones and stuff. Yeah. And it's it's Things very complicated. Yeah, yeah, Things yeah. have changed. Yeah. So I'm assuming that the game of plants versus diseases has changed as well. It's the same, yeah. Can the diseases use the same weapons for centuries and centuries and centuries? 
or do they change up their weapons sometimes? Yeah, so that's pretty much exactly, you nailed it, how, how it usually goes. Through evolution, pathogens will develop certain weapons to use, again, to attack their plants. And then the plants will also kind of like uh, develop resistance or like uh, defense systems to, to defend themselves against that weapons. That just kind of keeps on going throughout evolution. It changes. It's caused by very many different factors and genetics is definitely one of them. So, for example, plants can sometimes, you know, mutate and that depends changes kind of like the genetic component that pathogen was used to attack and then this time it would not be able to attack it anymore. So this is a game that might never end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be at this for the rest of known humanity. Yep. Oh, pretty much. that's yeah. so positive. But then this is where the breeders and geneticists come in. So now they're able to actually, without waiting for nature to do it, just kind of like harness and just study the pathogen information, study the plant information as well. And when I say information, I mean like the genetic information and kind of like figure out which genotypes work against which you know, pathogens. It sounds like in this case, the soybeans have an unfair advantage. They have you, who's able to assign letters and nonsense coding mm-hmm. to what what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know if I would uh, <laughs> say that they that I'm gonna be the you know the the defender of soybean, but uh, <clears throat> I like to think that I play like a maybe a small part in trying to figure out this, especially the disease that I'm working with, how we can develop uh, soybean type steps that can defend themselves against this disease that I'm working with. All right. I am going to guarantee you right here, right now, the episode title will be Deus is a defender of soy. <laughs> soy defender. Soy defender. The yeah. soy defender. Who knows? Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. workshop it. I'll okay. workshop a little yeah, bit, yeah, but you yeah. are officially now the soy defender okay, in my let's eyes. let's go. Let's go. All right. So now we... <laughs> are you know we're we're thinking about plant genetics we got the soybean we all love the soybean and sometimes there's this white mold what was it was white mold yes all right so sometimes we have this white mold that comes in as a little nasty little bugger and it wants to kill the plant more or less because that's how it survives mm-hmm. and you're over here saying like all right well this plant is actually better and taking care of this white mold. Yeah. So once you identify, you know, one of these plants that's better than the other, what do you do with that information? You just write it down in a book and call it a day? I wish it was that simple, but it's a lot more uh, we have to do. So what we do is uh, we put together this panel of soybean that kind of like representative of the soybeans that are grown in, in Canada. And I say representative because, you know, like usually plant varieties are adapted to like a certain environment. Uh, so we're looking particularly soybean that's mostly grown in Canada and maybe Northern USA because it's somewhat similar environments. So we put together a panel of like different genotypes and uh, the criteria that we use is they have to have a good mix of susceptible, moderately resistant and kind of like partially resistant genotypes and then we screen this in the controlled environment so what I do is like I if you I'll take you to my uh, growth room one time and you see so a whole bunch of pots I grow some soybean and then at some point I infect them with this fungus that sounds cruel <laughs> I know okay right? <laughs> so inoculate is that the word that I should use or is uh, that either way I know what you're doing and yeah. you shouldn't be proud <laughs> yeah 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 so but it's it's for the good of the you know future generation of the soybean that's why we do that very machiavellian <laughs> yeah, but um 
Continue. I know I always say that I love my soybean babies and then I'm like literally killing them the next day. So we screen them in the growth room and the way we screen them is, you know, grow them out in the growth room in different parts and then at some point we inoculate them. Unfortunately, I have to give them a disease so I can really test out which ones are susceptible and which ones are partially resistant and maybe some that are moderately resistant. And the reason why we do this is because we want to test out this variation so that when we collect the genetic information, so we extract some DNA from them, we sequence it, and then we can use statistical model to match what genes are associated to the partial resistance that we see or susceptibility. So to me, it's, in my opinion... Well, maybe this is a, a really simplifying, but it almost seems sort of like a word search. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I imagine you have this big old map of things and you're like, oh, this uh, this plant that has partial resistance has this word in it. And you circle mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and it's A-T-C-G-G-G-C-C. Absolutely. T-A-T-C. Yep, 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 yep. G. Yep, absolutely. T. So, and then you're like, all right, well, this plant also has this, and it Mm -hmm. also has partial resistance. Mm -hmm. And you do this for uh, hundreds? Several times. Several times. Yeah. So the methods that we're using, the tools that we're using is called genome-wide association studies. But I like what you called it better. Is it like word search? It's almost like word search, but for what we we like to think, it's much, much fancier than that because, you know, scientists, we want to you know complicate then things what acronym do you use <laughs> everything has acronyms gwas oh gwas oh yeah, yeah. yeah. because word search is unsophisticated because, yeah, yeah, yeah. GWAS. gwas oh tell me more about gwas, GWAS. <laughs> So the genome-wide association studies, you have a trait of interest. In the, in this case, we, we're looking for disease resistance. And then you put together a panel. It's usually, GWAS are usually done with it, what we call an association panel. So it's different plants with different genotypes. And then you screen them, kind of like want to measure that trait, that try not to say phenotypic because that's going to complicate things. But you want to measure that physical characteristic. Since we're studying uh, disease resistance, then that's why I have to like inoculate them with, with a fungus so that I can see which ones are resistant, moderately resistant, or uh, very susceptible. And then the way we measure resistance, at least in the, in, the, in the plants that I'm working with, is after I infect them, they develop kind of like an injury across the stem so the length of the injury is what i use as kind of like explaining uh susceptibility or partial resistance and ultimately the goal is to find kind of the matching yeah and then in addition to that each one of those uh, genotypes will extract some dna from them and then we sequence it and that's when we get what we call the genetic map and that's kind of like what you were saying it's just kind of like whole bunch of like words A, T, C, G whole sequence very very many of them and then we will use some statistical models you know kind of like linear mix models to match what letters show up a lot or are associated with the disease resistance that is oversimplifying it but essentially if I can use this to scientific terms, what we're looking for is quantitative trait loci. Qu- 
loci what, what yes what, what, what's that last word so loci is the uh plural for locusts and i'm guessing these are not like the biblical locusts it is not the biblical locusts okay. it's another fancy way of saying location the reason why i called quantitative trait loci is because some traits are controlled by a few genes or just one gene. Uh, these are just what we call qualitative traits. So for example, if you think about one of the classically used is flower color, like maybe red or white to be expressed, maybe this gene has to be identified that this gene is what is associated to this flower color. But for kind of like complex traits like disease resistance or yield, there is very many different genes that are involved in expressing this trait. And these genes are located very randomly across the genome. So very, if you think about the genome as a, a manual and it, think about a gene as maybe like a word, right? So you will find like this word on this page and the other one on other page and all these kind of like words when they kind of are put together, they may be affect resistance or like the impact resistance of a plant. So they call them quantitative trait loci because it's very many different genes that are located on different different pages in the book. So this now complicates my whole word search thing, you know. And I and I was like pretty proud of it. Yeah. And you 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 attacked it. You you used your weapons, and I didn't have the proper defenses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You uh, need to develop resistance I do, if only someone would take my spit and figure that out for me so we have these word searches but every single page has a word search now mm -hmm. and we're trying to compare one manual to the other manual mm -hmm. that just sounds like a lot of work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. Are you okay? I, I, I think I tried to tell. I try to ask myself at the end of the day if I'm okay. And uh, yeah, but yeah, you never answered. I, <laughs> I'm okay. Okay. All right. Deal. Yeah. yeah. All right. We we have covered so many topics today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we we started with you know the concept of genetics. We yeah. talked about soybeans, why yeah. they're so cool. Yeah. We talked about mold and defense and war and weapons and yeah. and these books and these word searches. Yeah. Could you, if you were to summarize everything you do, yeah, in really just like a couple sentences, yeah, what would you say you do? What I'm doing is I'm studying genetic resistance to white mold disease in soybean that's grown in Canada. All right, you've sold me. I will fund all the grants. I got a big rubber stamp. I'm going to fund you. Three million? Does that work? Please. Six? Let's, three is good. Well, now if I'm going to give you two and a half. <laughs> all right. That is going to wrap it up for today. Okay, nice. I think you have to attend a battle. Or maybe you're just going to like stop go recording and go defense. like kill some, some plants. No. And just like, is that what you're going to do? Pretend that's probably what I gonna You're just going to walk out of here. Oh, hi, hi. You know, shake hands. And then you're going to be like, I'm going to go kill something. I like to think I'm doing it for the good of the soybean. Whatever you know. helps you sleep. <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night. I'm always thinking. All right, well, thank you so much for your time today. Of course, thank you so much for having me. That day use is one awfully twisted guy. I mean, yeah, he's, you know, working towards making a more sustainable agricultural system by making, you know, soybean plants more breedable and more resistant to disease so we, you know, reduce food waste. But between you and me... 
I think he kind of enjoys it. Speaking of enjoying things, on We Know Some Stuff, we always like to check our facts. So after we have cleaned up the episode, we go back and listen to it multiple times to identify if anything was incorrect. And to the best of our knowledge, Deus and I, we worked together to see if there was anything that we wanted to change, and we didn't come across anything that needed to be corrected. That being said, if there are corrections that need to be made in the future, we will be the first ones to correct them. But until then, thank you for listening to another episode of We Know Some Stuff.